Welcome to Coffee with Dr. Stewart. This show will provide our listeners with up-to-date medical information from a leading neurotologist and neuroimmune specialist. With Dr. Stewart's broad medical knowledge, we will discuss how he helps his patients with issues such as ADD, migraines, hormones, dizziness, sleep, fatigue, methylation, autism, and genetic mutations. I am your host, Kara Stewart-Mullins, and I invite you to sit back, grab your cup of coffee or favorite beverage, and let's have Coffee with Dr. Stewart. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today on our very first episode of Coffee with Dr. Stewart. I am so excited. It's been a long time coming, and I think first we should start off by introducing the expert of the show and why the show is here. Hello, Dr. Stewart. How are you? Hi, Kara. How are you today? I'm good. Well, I am really excited, Dr. Stewart. First of all, I'm happy to be here with you. But um, at first, I want to I want to go ahead and share with the audience a little bit about why the show is what it is. You know, um, when we talk about your background and your medical journey, it blows my mind. And I am really fascinated with what you do. Not only do I work with you in some way, shape, or form, but... Over the the nine years that we've been working together, I just have seen some amazing things happen in your clinics, and I want to share that with everybody. And um, since you are a very busy man, and (laughs) I bothered you for over a year saying, I need a book, or I need all the knowledge out of that big brain of yours, and we finally came up with that we could agree on doing a radio show. So, ladies and gentlemen out there, this is going to be a third... 13-week episode with Dr. Stewart that uh, we are going to bring you each week a different issue that a lot of people may be suffering with today in the U.S. and around the world. And we're going to use Dr. Stewart's medical knowledge to to help um, those out there and help them realize that there is, there is some help for uh, a lot of these medical issues that are really hard on people today. So with that said, I'm going to start with your background, Dr. Stewart. Okay. Okay. So there's a lot of people out there that are like, what, you know, what exactly does he do? And he's, he's this neurologist, neurotologist. So Dr. Stewart's official title is otolaryngologist, board certified in neurotology, skull base surgery. That's correct. Okay. So let's just get to the bottom of this. What exactly is neurotology? Okay. So basically, um, Uh, There are certain qualifications that you have to go through, and there are certain boards. So the board that we're in neurotology fits is under otolaryngology or ear, nose, and throat. Um, It's kind of a funny thing. Even though I'm boarded in ear, nose, and throat, I don't do a ton of ear, nose, and throat anymore. So basically, um, after you um, obtain your board certification, you go for additional training that gets very specialized. How many years is that? Well, the... The otolaryngology part of it is five to six years. Uh, the additional training is usually a year to two years okay. after that. And basically, um, even within neurotology, men, many doctors just focus on the otology part, and other doctors like myself focus on the neurotology. Now, neurotology is basically a unique specialty that began kind of in the 1970s. When a group of doctors out of Los Angeles called the House Ear Clinic decided that there should be a specialty that's really designated to a very complicated area of the head and neck, and that's the ear and the skull base related to an area called the temporal bone. Okay. 
The temporal bone is part of the skull. It houses the ear. It has the facial nerve. It has the trigeminal nerve. It has the cochlear vestibular nerve. It has all these complex nerves and functions that essentially give us a lot of information uh, uh, to our brain that allows us to interact with the world appropriately. Now, neurotology, by definition, um, really is a surgical specialty where we operate on the temporal bone area, the brain, in relation to that area. Now, because you're operating both extracranially and intracranially, and typically when we operated intracranially, we'd, we'd be designed to assist neurosurgeons. Okay. Uh, we have to know a lot of uh, information related to both the neurological, neurosurgical, and ear, nose, and throat-based subspecialties around that area. So there's a, a vast amount of knowledge you vast have to know. Vast amount of knowledge. Okay. And it really is focused around um, making sure that you understand basically what complications can happen when you operate in that area and how you uh, help people recover in all the different uh, arenas of uh, surgical technique. And these are microsurgical techniques, so you have to have a lot of, well, essentially training and knowledge base. You know, you, you just mentioned the word recovery, mm-hmm. um, which that's what everybody's in seek of. Sure. Um, you know, I find your story very interesting. You know, uh, many of you may not know this out there, but, you know, Dr. Stewart and I are siblings. He's my older brother mm-hmm. of seven years. And, um, you know, growing up, you and I would see each other at family functions and holidays. And I, all I knew was, hey, there's my brother, my big brother, the brain surgeon. And right. I thought it was really cool to tell everybody that. But I really had no idea what you did, you know, until I started um moved back to Austin and started working with you and opening some more clinics of yours. And, you know, I think the story that you've told me, um, it was a big decision for you, I I believe, that when you decided to up and quit surgery altogether. Yes. And can you share a little bit about that and and why you chose to quit surgery and go on a recovery path? Well, first of all, I was a very good surgeon. Um, I felt very 13 years, right? Yes, 13 years of surgical. Um, the problem with surgery uh, is that basically um, surgery is very destructive in lots of situations. Um, it, you know, you're you're taking out tumors. I was taught to cut nerves that were malfunctioning. I was taught to deal with complications that. Um, you know, people can't help, and and those are great things. And I'm not going to belittle that expertise, but. What happened early in my career is I got um, focused by default, which means that no other doctors really wanted them on the the, special, the um, conditions of vertigo, imbalance, um, dizziness. dizziness, things of that nature. And that really, I say by default because nobody really likes to take care of those patients. And they don't know what to do. Typically not. You now they they basically give you a dizzy pill and hope you get better. So I got very interested in that and um, actually have had some family members with those conditions, so it became kind of a passion of mine. Now, the problem is the way that uh, I was taught was that if those people are dizzy enough, I should just go in and cut the nerve of uh, balance. Okay. okay, in the brain. In the brain, next to the brain. Okay. okay. And that just didn't sit very well with me because when I'd get in there and I'd look at the nerve under high power microscopes, it didn't look sick. It looked healthy, mm-hmm. even though I knew it was not functioning well because we had tested it. It just didn't quite sit right with me, that, that whole focus. And so 
being a very important uh, sensory information gatherer uh, for the person, once we cut that nerve, yeah, maybe their vertigo would get better, but then they'd get a whole host of other abnormalities because we had just taken away a lot of the information that the brain typically used. Ah. So what happened in kind of the area of the mid-90s is I got interested in an area of medicine that was fairly new at the time and is still fairly um, uh, unique in an area called neurotrophic medicine. How do we take uh, neurological conditions that are essentially seem to be deteriorative in nature, mm-hmm. inflammatory in nature, how do we stop those and actually tend to reverse them? Because healing is really what you want to do. What would be an example of some kind of condition? That well, all types, all, all types of conditions that are neurological in origin. You know, everything from brain conditions, um, Parkinson's, multiple sclerosis, um, you know, um, even down to Lou Gehrig's disease, things that people would know, Guillain-Barre syndrome. But even backing up for my specific area, it was how does the vestibular system, the inner ear that controls where you are in three-dimensional space, how does it function properly and how can we get it to recover? Facial nerve paralysis, facial nerve palsies, uh, even hearing loss to a certain degree. You know, we've always been taught that hearing uh, uh, loss is permanent and um tends to progress and for many people that's true but actually if you pay attention to the right things there are many times that you can actually at least stall it if not improve the hearing wow Um, and what we really realized kind of as a group of uh, interested doctors across the country was um, well you've got to do something to expect something Okay. okay I love to tell my patients an Aggie joke um, okay. because I'm a Longhorn. <laughs> and so that Aggie joke is, the. and please forgive me because I have lots of great Aggie friends, but I tell people that 93%, the Aggies found out that 93% of people who do nothing, nothing actually happens. <laughs> and so what was really happening in the area of medicine of these complicated syndromes like migraines, dizziness, imbalance, uh, vertigo, um, even neurological abnormalities like facial nerve paralysis, trigeminal neuralgia. Um, what was happening was basically we were covering up the symptom to the best of our knowledge and then hoping magically that you would heal on your own. By the drug that you took? Well, no, the drug actually just is a cover-up. Okay. And we can talk about that later, but I realized that we're not as doctors, it. we weren't fixing the problem. We were just covering up the symptom and hoping the body would heal. Well, that doesn't happen typically. Yeah. Okay. And so, like for instance, migraines. You take a migraine pill, but what's causing the migraine? That's what you really want to know. Yeah. I also tell people, uh, you know, another kind of dictum. If you uh, saw your doctor, and your doc, you said you got headaches every day. Your doctor gave you a headache pill, and got rid of your headaches, but you had to take it every day. Um, and you go back in a couple of months, you tell the doctor, "Thank you, but uh, I love the the pill, but." He finally measures your blood pressure, finds out it's too high, fixes your blood pressure. From the medication? Well, no, just from anything, but fixes the blood pressure and you don't have headaches anymore. You really got to the source of the Ah, problem. Ah, that makes sense. And so what we're really interested in is what has really happened to the body itself that has caused these type of symptoms to develop. Now, let me just clarify this because, you know, you've now been out of surgery for 12 years. No, not that long. Ten Ten years? years. About ten years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of people call you, you know, I've heard people say, well, he doesn't do surgery anymore. He's more on a healing path now. 
Well, it is. It's a paradigm shift that we have to take in medicine as a general rule. And you're very out of the box, too. Well, you know, the funny thing is, is that um, I really feel out of the box. I mean, frankly, many of my colleagues thought I'd gone crazy. Yeah. You know, that I'd gone. Why would a surgeon leave? Right. Why would you do that? Why would you leave a great job to go do what you do? Um, And obviously, people would come up with all kinds of craziness. But the long and the short of it is that. Um, it was a lifestyle choice for me, and but also it was, uh, a, frankly, a healing choice for me. I wanted to be a healing doctor as opposed to, um, and please take this with relative um, um, relativity, put it in a relative perspective that, uh, as opposed to a damaging doctor. Because when you cut a nerve, you're, it's a one-way street. There's no turning back. There's no turning back. You can't restore that nerve. Well, I think you're... Your patients speak for themselves, you know, by what I've seen in your office and your Mm -hmm. clinics and um, you being always on a seven to eight month waiting list. And that's, again, too, why we're here doing the show, because, you know, I work for Neurobiologics, the the supplement company that you're the lead formulator for. Mm -hmm. And we get calls all the time for frustrated people that can't get in to see you or they just want to get started right away. What would he recommend? And this show is going to allow us to go over what condition they may have, and each week we'll cover something different. You know, me, myself, being a vertigo sufferer uh, that came on nine years ago, and I haven't had sure. a spell in, in about eight years, thanks sure. to you. <laughs> Big well, brother helped me out there. Um, that was a miracle in itself for me, personally. So I know how a lot of, peop- I know how a lot of people are feeling out there. Well, let me just ask you one quick question before we go to break. So... Since your clinic is, you are so far out in patients, mm-hmm. um, seeing new patients, you know, what can you offer to a lot of people out there that, you know, the term that you use in your clinics are neuroimmune syndromes. Sure. Give us a brief recap of what you define a neuroimmune syndrome, because that's what you treat. Well, this is a term that I actually came up with in about 2004, and it was a term of necessity. Basically, when I would start seeing people that would come to see me, I'd realize that basically these people had problems with their nervous system or their immune system, or both. And there are very um, significant biochemical deficiency reasons why Mm -hmm. we have those two systems uh, integrated. And basically what I realized is that doctors did not really know what was the problem with the nervous system and immune system. So what they did is they essentially uh, ignored what the problem was and basically described the condition based on its symptom because they were only planning on ever treating the symptom. So you've got everything from dizziness, migraines, vertigo, imbalance, to multiple sclerosis, to Alzheimer's, to dementia, to fibromyalgia, to autism, to ADD, to ADHD, to lupus, to rheumatoid arthritis. Those are all symptoms. That's a long list there. Well, no matter what you're saying, those are symptoms. And so what your doctor will target is how do we help you symptomatically with those symptoms? When what we really want to do is get down to what's wrong with the nervous system and immune system and put back in what's missing that's not letting it function well and allow it to actually restore itself to normal function. Now, that's what I want to get to when um, when we get back from break is I want to talk about, you know, some of your protocols and how you diagnose a lot of people. And let's talk about the symptoms and and how people kind of know out there that uh, they may be someone that's suffering from a neuroimmune syndrome. Sure. We'll be right back.
No two people are the same. Our health issues and our nutritional needs are as unique as our smiles. That's why our mission at Neurobiologics is simple. Provide quality nutrition that changes lives, one formula at a time. Developed through a collaboration with top U.S. physicians, each Neurobiologics formula carefully targets specific health issues. I can't tell you how much supplementation has helped our family. Being able to put back in their bodies what they were missing, we had dramatic results. We had focus in school. We had children that were able to sleep through the night. We had children that had their moods regulated. What we're interested more in neurobiologics is replenishing the insufficiencies that the body has in order to recover the underlying problem and reestablish the nervous system and immune system normal function. Each of us is unique. Shouldn't your supplement be too? Neurobiologics. We are changing lives one formula at a time. Well, welcome back, everybody, to Coffee with Dr. Stewart. I'm your host, Kara Mullins, and I am here with the medical expert, Dr. Kendall Stewart, uh, a neurotologist here in Austin, Texas. And we are talking about um, the core of his practice, the, the types of syndromes that he treats, which are called neuroamine syndromes. And Dr. Stewart, before we went to break, we were just talking about some of the, the syndromes that you treat. and sure. just. Give us a give us a rundown real quick of the most common ones that you see that you know. Well, these are not just common for me. I mean, these are things that really are treated by every physician out there. When you okay. go to um, a family practice doctor, or you go to um, a pediatrician, or your internist, or any of these people, these are a very large portion of the medical chronic medical conditions that those doctors will treat. And so, what what. I'm hoping to do. I, I love to see patients. I love people. Uh, okay. You know, I have a passion for what I do. Um, I know kinda, that. I'm kind of. <laughs> I'm kind of a geek in biochemistry. Okay. I'm not. I, I like to pride myself on not being a geek. I've guy. seen you research yourself to death. Right. And so the whole idea is that we really want to educate and change the focus of how we take care of these problems as a medical condition and. What really has happened, um, just so you know, once we are, were able to then redefine these neuroimmune syndromes under one umbrella, then we went and essentially looked at the literature of each of them. Mm-hmm. Because if you're a pediatrician or a person who treats autism, you typically only look at the autism ADD literature, and you'll never look at the Alzheimer's, dementia, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue literature which they're correlated which they correlate okay because they all have a problem with the nervous system and immune system and they are all typically with most neurological diseases based in inflammatory flux yeah let's talk about that real quick because you talk in a lot of your lectures i've heard you you always talk inflammation 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 give us that example that you use a lot in your lectures well, with the nervous system, you know, the nervous system is essentially a group of sensors, a group of wires, and then this wonderful organ we call the brain that it's able to take in all this information, organize it, and give a perfect response. But the brain can only work as well as the information coming to it. It's okay. kind of like a computer. If I take a perfect, beautiful, superpower computer and I put a bad program in it uh, or bad information into it, it doesn't. It can't do anything. So the computer's so fine. The it's computer's fine in most of these situations. Now, there's going to be people that complain about that or argue about that, but I will tell you we have ways to show that that's the case. We want to know where the problem is. Now, what I'm going to tell you is that 
those nerves have to carry all this detailed information. For instance, the inner ear carries information 1,000 times a second wow. through its nerves. Okay, so, And that's the base rate, meaning it can go faster and slower and regulate itself. So when you, when you have a comparison system like the inner ear or the eyes, for instance, where you've got two of them, the comparison of the data is going on at a very high speed. And if you happen to get something inflaming or irritating the nerves that are carrying that information, they will not work well. Now, like on days when you're sick. That's right. You always now, talk about. When nerves get inflamed, they tend to get irritated, just like a pain nerve getting inflamed will give you more pain. Mm -hmm. A nerve of sense that gets inflamed or irritated will carry or send additional information that really comes across to the brain as nonsense, okay? Or staticky, for yeah. instance. And then nerves that are chronically irritated and then gradually get damaged, they tend to carry poor information, not enough. They tend to deteriorate over time. So really in the absence of trauma, which is something like a nerve gets cut, or in the absence of maybe a poison or a toxin mm -hmm. uh, poisoning that nerve, the only thing that can make nerves truly um, either uh, function abnormally or deteriorate over, deteriorate over time is really inflammation in general. The problem is the inflammation comes from your own immune system. And you cannot start to recover until you get that under control. That's correct. Because and it's, that's your job. It's, it's just a simple premise. You know, as a surgeon, you create a lot of havoc in the body and you know how things heal. And it really comes down to three different steps. The first one is inflammation control. Because, and that could be caused by viruses? Or well, in the nervous system, it's a lot of times viruses. I mean, we have all kinds of viruses that we call neurotrophic viruses that love to live in nerves. Chicken pox is the most notable one. I, I want to touch base because there was one thing that I left off earlier when I was talking about your career. <laughs> you trained at MD Anderson mm -hmm. in your younger years. Correct. And you were chosen, hand-selected by mm -hmm. MD Anderson for a virus research study. Correct. And. Tell us what you found or what you guys found. Well, the research study, I mean, as all research is, I was just a component of it over a couple of years, and it's ongoing research uh, over periods of time. What we were essentially doing is we were doing some viral transfection models. And what, what we do in those situations is we were learning about genes and genetic data and how we can actually carry genes from one place like outside of a cell into another cell. Okay. And that's what transfection is. Now, we typically use the herpes viruses, or we did back then, as those vectors or the, the type of viruses that carry that information. And so we're realizing, and it's becoming fruition, we kind of knew even back in the late 80s that um, there's a very high likelihood that most cancers and most abnormalities of many cells are actually the poor genetic information is carried there by a viral vector, which means wow. that the virus itself is carrying bad or different information into the cell. Now, um, what that taught me at that time was that, first of all, we had um, missed the whole concept of, um, of many ab uh, abnormal disease states like cancer, but it also taught me that the only way that we can actually get these viruses to really create a problem in the body to, to have a very poor immune system that wasn't watching out for us appropriately. Hence neuroimmune syndrome. Correct. And <laughs> it just turns out if you really get into the deep biochemistry, which we'll do later in this series, that those two systems are very intimately related in how they function, what they need to function, how they 
how they go about their business. And they really are the foundation of a large number of abnormalities that we see on a chronic basis these days. Now, here's the interesting thing. Back when, in the 1989, when I finished that research up, there were approximately 700 viruses that were known to infect humans. Today, there's over 1,200. Wow. And that's 25 years later. So what I also learned is we didn't know anything about viruses back then, even though we thought we were sophisticated. Mm -hmm. Medicine is progressing at a very rapid rate. And if you don't keep up um, and actually look outside the area that you've been essentially trained in, you are going to lose. Which means I will spend a lot of time reading literature from cancer, reading literature from fibromyalgia, reading neurological, neurosurgical Uh, pediatric literature. So I read the gamut of literature and pull from everything in order to get a complex model for us to actually help uh, these individual problems. Because, I mean, just by knowing what your your testing suite has in your clinics, you know, a lot of people out there don't even realize that you you actually designed something that kind of take the guessing out of it. Yeah, that's the blessing of being trained the way I was. There's one thing I always tell my patients, there's one thing that a neurotologist or any neurological surgeon never does. Is guess. We never guess. Yeah. Ever. You are not going to let me cut your head open if I'm guessing. Now. Thank you. So, well, (laughs) you know, it's one thing to have an MRI and you've got a tumor there. But when you're talking about measuring a nerve that's malfunctioning and the nerve looks perfectly fine but you have to test it to know that it's abnormal and Mm. if you don't have an objective measurement of the abnormality then what happens you essentially rely on what the patient is telling you um, symptomatically and that really is not objective in the foundation of medicine so What's really beautiful from the perspective of where we are now is the techniques that I learned or I utilized to decide whether I needed to operate on somebody in the past is also the same techniques that were beneficial for me to retest as we therapeutically intervened in that patient in order for us to show objectively that we improved the patient with the therapeutics. That's correct. And where to stop the therapy. Well, and not necessarily... Or what where was to stop, working. Or, but people are very interested in whether they got better or not objectively because the body takes time to adjust. If I tr- transform the way the brain is receiving information, God has set up a beautiful system where the brain kind of wants to get used to it. It, mm-hmm. it waits to make sure that change is actually permanent, and we call that an accommodative period. And that accommodative period is usually about 12 weeks for the brain when we change sensory information. Wow. So, so it could be a rough patch. In the beginning for Maybe. some people. Yeah. I mean, it can be. It, the brain is lazy. The brain is just like the rest of us. We don't really like change. I mean, I don't like starting a new exercise program at the gym, but and it's pretty painful for yeah. the first <laughs> few weeks. <laughs> few weeks, but, yes. Uh, eventually, if you, keep, you stick with it and everything works out well, you're glad you did it. I don't know anybody that got in shape and was, feels bad that the fact that they got in better shape. Yeah, you, you finally hit that uphill yeah, but, but or get over that hill. If you're not sore the first few weeks, you're not doing it right. Yeah, no. that makes perfect sense. You know, um, we're going to get a lot further into your protocols and talk about you know vitamins, n- nutraceuticals, right, and the prescriptions sometimes that you use, and down to IV therapy. and And Doctor Stewart is has a a broad protocol, um, and it's not cookie cutter. That's one thing that. 
that I liked very much about when I first came to your office. Mm-hmm. And um, you never treated everybody the same, and that's where it gets frustrating a lot. Well, of the you time. know, some people. We always tailor it to the patient, but some people get confused because we will see two family members with two different problems uh, symptomatically, but we will treat them the same because nerves are nerves are nerves are nerves. What matters to a nerve is where it comes from and where it goes, but the way we fix the way the nerve works does tend to be the same. So the blessing in all this is that the comparative information of fixing inflammation having plenty of mitochondrial energy in the cell to execute the healing and then having the right nutritional uh, products to heal the cell you're after are the three rules of healing no matter where you go. Okay. That is it. That's all you have to have. And we, just for you listeners out there, we will get much deeper into this. Um, I would like to thank you, Dr. Stewart, today for for giving us an insight in your background because I think a lot of people out there always wondered why you you left surgery Mm -hmm. and do what you do now um obviously you're not short on patients (laughs) so um that's not what this show is about we're here to to give you some member dr stewart is here to give you some information so that you realize that there is hope out there and that you can have some peace of mind that you or a family member or a friend um doesn't have to to live feeling bad well you know the biggest concern for a lot of these people who have had these chronic conditions and have been all over the country. Yeah. Um, they really want to know you're not going to give up on them. Yeah. And I can promise you, I don't give up on anybody. Oh, I know that. Okay. <laughs> but, or on anything. <laughs> but you really have to um, realize that what I know today uh, may not, um, I will know more tomorrow. And I will know more the next week, and I'll know more the next week. And so if you you sense stagnant as a physician, especially in this day and age, you are behind the eight ball. Wow. Well, on that note, Dr. Stewart, I just wanted to thank you so much for joining us today. You're very welcome. Even though you are my brother and I hear you speak a lot, I learn something new every time I talk to you. Um, and I think that this show is going to bring a lot of a lot of information to people out there who really need it. So we will be back next week. Um, our topic is going to be on methylation, kind right. of a big word there. But uh, Dr. Stewart is going to give us a easy to understand and <laughs> <laughs> easy to understand definition, and uh, tell us a little bit about more how that could be the key component to a healthy life. And I am out on Talk thirteen seventy. And have a wonderful day.